spreading Cajun across the nation, pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin' Review, made by the fans for the fans. Cajun Nation. Welcome to Region Review, Matt Miguez. Jerry Abair and Josh Jagno are my guests. We have a fun one for you tonight. Got plenty to talk about. We got the Cajuns being ranked again. Cajuns in the NFL, plenty to talk about there with that. Uh, of course, there's going to be some McNeese and Tech bashing. We have a behind enemy line segment for the Troy Trojans. And it was National Signing Day today for the Diamond Sports. So we got a lot to talk about. Once again, welcome to Rage and Review. Matt Miguez, Jerry, and Josh join me. Gentlemen, good evening. Good evening, good evening. What's hey up, man, guys? What's going on? <laughs> I'm not really sure why Josh is laughing. Um, I think that's very disrespectful to to be <laughs> laughing during the intro of a show. Josh, how dare you? I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I am sorry. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna curb my behavior. I apologize. <laughs> He's gonna curb his behavior. Okay, let's start off with the Cajuns being ranked once again after a close win over Georgia State this past Thursday, uh, 21-17. The Cajuns stay in the AP poll at 24. They joined the coaches poll at 25 and are once again left out of the college football playoff poll. Jerry, how does that make you feel? Well, I'm glad to be ranked. Uh, second year in a row, first time, I believe, in school history where the team's been ranked back-to-back, unless, like, it was back in the Stone Ages, like in the 19-teens, whatever, the 1940s, I don't know. But in the modern-day era, this is the first time in school history where the team has been ranked uh, two years in a row, which is really awesome. Um, you know, it, you get that type of notoriety. You can't really put a price tag on it um, from a standpoint of marketing for your university. Uh, anytime you see a ranking next to the name Louisiana or the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, it really helps the brand and, and it gives the brand notoriety. So uh, very excited about that. It's great to be part of a rank, you know, being a fan of a big, being a big fan of a ranked program, especially when you never thought it was possible. Um, and the, to do it two years in a row is just amazing. Um, and to be the only ranked team in the state of Louisiana is amazing. And uh, there's a lot of, again, a lot of binoculars uh, looking our way from across the basin, about 45 miles to the east, which is making me enjoy it even more. Um, As far as the college football playoff, I mean, there's a reason why they call the P5 the privilege five. Um, You know, these rankings are just, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of them. Um, You know, obviously they're, what they're doing is they're, they're playing favorites. Um, you know, they're playing favorites. Giving Mississippi State a, a ranking of 17 with a 5-3 and three record is hilarious and atrocious. Um, moving Cincinnati down to number six when one of their biggest wins is against number 10 Notre Dame on the road, might I add, is ridiculous. Um, and then you by move double Alabama. Digits, by double digits. There you go. Moving Alabama up to number two while struggling against a 4-4 four and four LSU team 
and keeping them what they moved them down to three, I think, or they did they keep them at two? Keeping them in the playoff hunt is a little ridiculous. I don't care if you're Alabama or not. Um, you got to play fair. And these, this idea of who's playing who and look at this, look at your schedule, blah, blah, blah. Look, Cincinnati's done. Yeah, they play some close games, but their most impressive win is, is against the top 10 team on the road. So um, not a big fan of the CFP poll. Uh, I think all hell is about to break loose because I think what's going to happen is, is they're going to play favoritism and, and it's just not, it's not healthy moving forward. And it's going to create more of an argument to say, you know what, if I'm a G5 school, it's like this, and I, I don't want to go on a tangent here, but it's like this. If you're in the NFL, and let's say you just pick a random division, we'll say the AFC North, okay? Let's say, for instance, you've got all 32 teams, and they all play for the same goal, a Super Bowl. Are you going to go tell the AFC, everybody, are you going to go tell the AFC North that they can't compete for the Super Bowl? Everybody can play for the Super Bowl except for the AFC North. How do you think those teams are going to feel? It kind of goes the same way with the G5. If you're going to do everything you can to not include the G5, then what's the G5 doing playing at the FBS level? Because it's, from what it sounds like is, you know, if you're not going to include us, then you might as well make a split, which I'm totally against, by the way. I just think the, it, needs to be, it needs to be fair. That's just my opinion. It needs to be fair. Because there's a lot of parity now in college football, a lot more than what it used to be. And there needs to be more parity across the board. But very excited to be ranked in the top 25. I had this big speech prepared, but Jerry just totally, I, I gotta, I gotta address all that. Like don't stop. Keep going. This, Jerry's, is, this is good. Jerry's such this a trumper. We, we need uh, for man, so many things. I don't even know where to start. First of all, Ryan Landry can kiss my ass. Truly is alcohol. Number one, number two, we need to go to Kansas and treat the NCAA headquarters like Portland. That's what we need to do because he's right. The G5 is FBS level. This is not a, a it, in what other sport? I mean, shit, not even in basketball in the same collegiate, at the same collegiate level, do they treat the, the Division I uh, programs differently? Yes, you have win, one big bid leagues, but they still have access to the tournament to get to the national championship. So the corrupt football playoff, I mean, the college football playoff, doesn't allow – I mean, honestly, how many times do they change the goalposts or they move the goalposts? They change the resume at every turn. Every time one of the G5 programs does a little bit more, it's, okay, well, you got to win against this program and you got you to gotta show consistent winning. Oh, also, you have to go on the road and beat top 10 teams. Okay, check, 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 check. They didn't let Boise State in because of the BCS formula. That was a way to keep them out. Then they wouldn't let Houston in because, you know, we didn't quite have the playoffs just yet. Now they're not going to let Cincinnati in because they didn't do what? Have a good conference? The AAC is widely respected, right? They're a top G5 league right now as constructed. As constructed, they have a Big 12 win, and they have an, a, a, a top 10 win on the road. They've hosted game day. They're, they have been doing this for multiple years. It's not a one-hit wonder. And here we are again, wondering if they're going to be left on the outside looking in. I mean, you got to be kidding me. Look, I'm glad to be ranked in the, in the coaches poll, and I'm glad to be ranked in the AP, and that's all nice and fine. But in this world, in this college football environment, the CFP matters, right? It's ridiculous that UTSA wasn't ranked until this past week. It's ridiculous that the Cajuns still aren't ranked by the college football playoff. They're, 
they have Michigan and Michigan State played last week, guys. They literally played head up last week. Michigan State won the game. And in this week's college football playoff, they're behind Michigan. Now, I don't know how many years have passed, but in all sports across all all different levels, if you beat a certain team head up, you're considered the better team, except in the corrupt football playoff system. Can anybody explain that to me? I mean, the resumes are similar. Jerry made a good a good point about the other resume. There are other people, other schools, other programs in the top 25 that either shouldn't be there or should be there or are ba- barely on the outside looking in. But who's going to fight for the little guy? Nobody, because there's no money in it. Who's going to fight for the little guy? Because, hey, national exposure is important. Nobody's going to fight for that. Well, it goes back to what we talked about with why, why do we have March Madness? What's the point of the NCAA tournament? Why do we fill out brackets, right? We do it because we try to pick who's going to be the Cinderella. Who's going to be the back, the back, the bracket buster? Who's going to go and wreak havoc on all of these these blue bloods, right? Who's going to be the one to take down Duke? Who's going to be the one to take down Kansas? And guess what? Every year you're going to get Loyola Chicago. You're going to get a George Mason. You're going to get a Bucknell. You're going to get an Iona. You're going to get you know. I mean, you name it. Oral you go Roberts. down the list. I mean, who's that? Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts, you're going to get at least one or two of those teams a year. And guess what? They ruin brackets, but that's the fun of it. That's why people get involved, you know, and and you kind of have to apply the same thing in football. You really do because, you know, people like watching Boise State on TV back when they beat Oklahoma. People like watching, you know, watching Western Michigan when PJ was there undefeated, row the boat, right? They like that kind of stuff. Fans are enjoy it. Now, granted, you know, do I think a Western Michigan could can go toe to toe at Alabama? Probably not. But who can outside look outside of that flute game against LSU last week? Other than maybe like Clemson or or you know when LSU was undefeated or you know one or two other teams, who can who who really at the you P five level can go against Alabama? I'm, I'm, I'm or, really or, how know. are we ever going to know? I, I'm really I'm really sick. You, I'm really I'm Utah really, beat them. You I'm really beat yeah. I'm really I, sick and tired of that argument because. Here's here's the thing, and and I don't know if you guys agree with me. I might be part of a dying breed here. I would rather see the Cajuns in a 16-team playoff be the 16 seed and lose to Bama by 50 than not have a shot at all. Yes, because in America... We reward those who earn it. You want to know? You want to know why I would enjoy that? Because, you know, five years later, when people are talking about the college football playoff, I can sit there and go, "Yeah, my team played in that. We'll we, take it we, we, we were there." If if a Cajun program or a Boise State or a Houston or San Diego State, any one of these G five. Uh, people that have, have built a reputation for themselves, they might play a, and look, it's always going to be a 16 or a 15 team if we go to 16, but maybe a 16 seeded Louisiana plays a Bama 50 fucking times. If they beat them one time, Matt, yep. that's all it takes. I will, take, all, I will take the 49 ass whoopings. And that can change a program forever. That that can be, that yep. can be, you know, they replay App State beating Michigan on college game day every couple of weekends. Still, still to this day, yep. 
a seminal moment. You know, they rob us of that. Cincinnati took Georgia, the best team in this country, last year that brought back their core this year, okay? They took them to the wire. Georgia needed a field goal to beat Cincinnati, and you're telling me 13 games or, well, 11 games later, they're not good enough to be in the college football playoff? Give me a break. Right. They're, they're, talking, about Georgia, they're talking about Georgia being the front runner for the national championship. And the team that, honestly, if you remember that game well enough, Cincinnati should have won that game. Well, they blew it. They blew it at the end. And, and, and look, the reality is I, I get the argument from the P5 fans. Oh, well, if you, you know, play our schedule, we'll tell you what, you give us the funding, you give us the budget that you're, that you're, you team give has. us the recruiting tools that you have. You know, I, I tell that to people like LSU fans. Well, you Preach don't play it, an Jerry. SEC schedule. Tell you Preach what, it. give Preach. us, give us $160 million like you have build us a 90,000 or a hundred thousand seat stadium. Give us, give our coaching staff. I promise you, we Billy wouldn't Napier. be, we wouldn't be four and five. Give Billy Napier eight million an eight million dollar salary. Like, give us that budget that you that you Keep operate me. on, and I guarantee you, we would be competing for national championships. We, we have a fourth of your budget right now, and we're doing more with what we have compared to what you. We have. wouldn't be so. We wouldn't be divorcing our coach and keeping it together for the kids. Well, it's like the whole thing with UCF. It's like the whole thing with UCF and Cincinnati. I mean, you look at where they're going. You look at them going to the Big Twelve. I don't think people really understand how big of a move that is for UCF. I mean, look, now you're in a P5 situation. Guess what? You're recruiting to Orlando. You're going to get a lot of good players from Miami and the you know South Florida area to go play, you know, because now you're going to be playing Baylor. You're going to be playing K-State. You're going to be playing a lot better teams than what's in the American. You're going to be able to recruit to that. And so it's don't be surprised point. if – yeah, I mean, it's a great point. Think about it. Scott Frost went undefeated for two years in a row and ended it with a bowl win against number 13, I think at the time, Auburn. Auburn, yeah. 13 and 0 season. Yep. That guy got hired by Nebraska and they and they think he's a bum. They think he's a bum. Meanwhile, Nick Saban at, at Alabama, who plays most of his big games neutral and in conference, okay? Goes undefeated two years in a row. He's the greatest of all. Yeah, time. I was about to say his his non conference schedule is like the Citadel and Mercer and and even and, when he plays in Oregon or a, you know a, a, a Texas, it's on the road. It's in Jerry World. It's it's right. it's neutral. Okay, so nobody talks about the real conversation here, where the, like Jerry, it's it's a perfect perfect uh, a narrative that he that he brought up. You, we, we are doing this. LSU is, is on a $160, $180 million a year athletic budget. UL is on a 35. We went, what was it, 12 and 1 last year? 10 and 1. 10 and 1 last year. Yeah, that's right. We had the fourth at the drop a game. Finished 15th in the country. 15th in the country on, a, on an athletic budget that had absolutely no business being in the top 25. Meanwhile, LSU is doing less with more than pretty much anybody in the country. But the well, G5s went, just can't compete. Look, look at Texas. I mean, look, I know Texas is beat us, but they're four, what, four and five right now, the richest program in America. What have they, they done? I mean, and, you know, so so th- that's why when people, and also, too, people like to bring up, well, if UCF went to the SEC, they couldn't compete. You don't want UCF in the SEC. Because you're telling me, you're telling you me that put, an Orlando market couldn't recruit athletes to exactly. beat, to beat you, 70% of the SEC? You're out of your you, mind. Look, you're, let's say they go to the SEC, okay, and you're a coach at a UCF. You go into a kid who lives in Atlanta. You tell the kid, he's, let's say he's getting looked at by, I'm going to throw some schools out, Ole Miss, Auburn, Tennessee, 
Here's what you tell them. You can go stay four years in Oxford. You can go stay four years in Auburn, Alabama, or you can come to Orlando and guess what? Play those teams in Orlando at your house, our stadium. What, what you think the kid's going to go to Oxford? Or he's going to go, go to Orlando. Right? So, all that argument about well they well, can't compete. Well, in our well that and uh, Florida, yeah, Florida can. Florida's a, a fertile recruiting base. I mean, you don't have to go. In. You can go outside to to Dade County. You can go outside to uh, what's a very uh, IMG College is right down the road. Yeah. You yeah, can go to uh, yeah, yeah. Man, th- there's multiple high schools that play high level football right there. Hell, Billy's doing that, it at UL. That's what I'm He's saying. doing it at UL. He's going after kids that maybe not my may not be five star caliber, but Hey, guess what? Come to who Louisiana. Needs, who, who needs five-star caliber? Bro, right. Max Max Mitchell got ranked number eight today by Mel Kuyper Jr. Yeah. Look. For offensive got, tackle look, in the prospects. Past, in the I mean, past are you kidding years, me? In the past two years, we've got two running backs in the league. We've got two offensive linemen starting in the league. We've got, we've got two or three guys on the roster right now that could probably start next year from wherever they go. Look, you can go get talent locally. Even in our league, you can still compete and go get enough talent to where you can put, you know, you can put a Louisiana at number 23, 24 in the AP poll. Okay. So, and we're doing it in the Sun Belt. We're not even in the SEC. We're not in the Big 12. We're doing this in the Sun Belt. Look, the Sun Belt's got two ranked schools. And then App State is right outside. They, they, that, that's three, three schools that are, that are literally flirting with the top 25. No, it's true, man. But, but like the overarching yeah. point there is, is, if you think Cincinnati's not a, a college football playoff, you're out of your damn mind. You're nuts. You're, you're out nuts. of your damn mind. Well, you're biased. You're this, biased. This, this whole you idea you're that biased. the G5 and the P5 are so separated, I, I'm tell we should we should have been pushing back on that damn narrative 15 years ago because it's just not true. When we're not we're playing the same game, but we don't have the same tools. And we're still piercing the tw- the top twenty five and the top fifteen, and we got people like Houston and San Diego State and Fresno State and Boise State, and and this year uh, Cincinnati really making a run. What I mean, what do, what more do they have to see? It's because well, the money does not bear out for the big boys, and the TV coverage doesn't bear out for the big boys. That is all it is about. This is not difficult. You play if you want to do a real playoff. The FCS does it. Why can't we do it? This is what you do: all FBS conference champions. You have an automatic seat to the table, and then you do six at largest. That it's that simple. It's not that difficult. They make it difficult. It's kind of like the way they write laws. They write laws to make you confused by them. And when you, you take, go vote you on take, them, you take the New right. Year's. You take the New Year's six bowls. So this is what you do: your top four teams get buys. The other 12 teams match up in the six New Year's Six Bowls. So you still have your bowl games. You still get your bowl revenue, all that good stuff. And then after that, you battle it out. Right. All we're asking for is a chance. Give us a seat. Yes, it may be a massacre the first one or two, three years. But I guarantee you, somebody's going to start sliding into that, 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 you know, I don't know, one of the middle-tier playoff roles, and they're going to upset somebody. Yep. Somebody's going to beat a Michigan State. Somebody's going to beat uh, an Oregon, okay? Somebody's going to beat Alabama. Saban's not going to be there forever, okay? Well, you recruit to it is what you do. You, you use that as a catalyst. So what, you lost by 50. You lost by 50, but you know what? You come play for us, we can go back and playoff. compete. Yeah, I mean. Right. Worst case you scenario, you lose, and you're the 16th best team in the country. 
Yeah, the you whore, can recruit the whore. to. I know. Boo hoo. Yeah. Uh, let's do Cajuns in the NFL now. Um, most recent news is Jamarcus Bradley has been added to the Browns' active roster. Um, I mean, he doesn't have a quarterback to throw to him. What you hate, Baker? Well, Baker's also. It's not, it's not that I hate Baker. It's just that Baker is a hobbled vegetable at the moment. Baker sucks, dude. They 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 played uh they played Case Keenum. I think it was two weeks ago they played him after uh Baker got a little injury a little injury and the line moved one and a half point. <laughs> that should tell you what they think about their starting quarterback. You know, yeah. I, and I know I know Jamarcus is getting another opportunity because of some injuries and Odell Beckham getting cut and everything. But look, man, every time that guy's had a shot, he's made some plays. Let him spin. Bring Odell to the Saints. Oh no, hard pass. <laughs> I, I want no part of that. Bring Odell to the Saints. Um, Matt, Matt you like you no. like bourgeoisie strippers and cocaine and hotels? I mean, what are we doing here? No, I that. like I like I like receivers catching passes. That's, well, yeah, that's, that's what a good I like. point. Okay, that's a valid point. That's a valid point. I'll give you that. <laughs> right, right, right. Now with this with this offense, I'm to the point where I don't care what you do off the field. Just give catch, me something. Catch balls on Sunday. Look, cut Troutman, and you'll eliminate half your drops. You can't cut your third round tight end pick from two years ago. Oh, you can. He's terrible. You can't. You can't do that. Too much Matt, money. You can look me in the eye right now and tell me that Troutman is not terrible. He hasn't done well. No, oh, I'll agree with you. He hasn't done well. That's nice. He's horrible. He he's literally cost well, us two games this year. I, I'm a nice person. I mean, what can I say? But no, um, as as we demonstrated earlier. But moving on, uh, Robert Hunt, Kevin Dotson doing their things in the NFL as well. Um, Elijah Mitchell, Eli, if you're listening, I, I know your boy Shane Vallow listens, so maybe he'll relay the message to you. <laughs> I need more fantasy points, my guy. I need more fantasy points. Man still you, had some catches if you're in a... a you had... A, you a had, P, you had it, one a week... Or catch league or whatever. You had one week where you where you really, really showed out and made me very, very happy. Uh, what was that? Week eight. The game against Chicago. He had he had 20 points. But man, last week, I only got 12. That's really cute. You're using a you're using Razor Review to beg and give you some only fantasy got, points. Got There's got to be some antitrust issues here. Kind of what kind of privilege privilege is this? That's just brutal. I'm I'm just a <laughs> I'm just a privileged man. Let me tell you. Hey, by I the way, there, there is nothing worse than um, fantasy golf Twitter. They will attack wait, golfers. Wait, wait a second. No, there's nothing worse. They wait, look, wait, it, wait, wait. You got these guys out here grinding their ass off. They they owe like. Eight people, seven million dollars, and they're out here trying to make putts. And all you fantasy guys are crushing them, telling them that they suck and they're gonna kill your kids or some shit. Fantasy golf is a thing. No, it's a huge thing. It's it's very under the table, but but it's similar to how fantasy football is run. All you people, you, know, you get caught up. You can't be calling. He said it's very under the table. No, it is. I mean, look. I, Great. You know, Rage interview humble brag. is now the source of illegal and suspicious activity. No, humble brag. I know a guy. I know a guy. And and yes, it's very bad. It's very bad. Causes some depression. All right, back back to Cajun sports now. Oh yeah, my bad. Back to anyway, anyways, but back back to things that are <laughs> that are legal and pure. Um, <laughs> 
Eli, I mean, get it's more. It's legal now. It's legal now. Eli, get more rushing yards. I need more fantasy points. We love you though. And say um, Louisiana. Oh, also, if you if if you hear this and and you're feeling generous, a a jersey would look great right here. Matt, you are one begging mother. I'm just trying to get him on the pod. <laughs> well, that'd be nice too. Um, let's see what else. Middle Tennessee. Hey. I was going to say, let's, I mean, our, let, I do want to make a comment about, well, you know what? No, we'll, we'll go. Keep going. Keep going. I was going to make a comment about last night, um, or not last night, last Thursday night. Um, what about it? Go ahead. We talked about um, attendance. I know that's been a big topic, and it seems like everybody's giving on us about attendance, man. Because um, it's been bad. I mean, it's a Thursday night game. It was 40 degrees. I know it wasn't the best, okay, but, like, do we really want to compare to other teams' Thursday night games? Outside of outside of App State, they don't count. Yeah, we can talk about Coastal Carolina. Yeah, exactly, right? How, how many they so, got, like 11? Teddy, Teddy, Teddy don't want to mess and, with And, and not, not, not 11. I'm not talking about 11,000. I'm talking about 11 people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, you could count the people in that stadium. That, that, that that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Look, it's, it's bad. Here's... Here's the good news moving forward. Uh, uh, we have no more weeknight games. Um, the last home game is on a Saturday against ULM. And then when we host the championship, when, yes, whoa, I said, whoa, when whoa, we host, whoa, whoa, don't you do that. Don't you do I'll that. I'll knock on wood. Yeah, if, you better if, find some wood. I have wood right here, and I'm knocking on it. Okay? Out of your mind. That's what she said. <laughs> good one. Uh, if, if we host, if we host, it'll be on a Saturday at 2.30. So... There's no reason why we shouldn't get more than 25, 26,000 people for that game. And, you know, I, I had this thought process today. And as much as I am a Sunbelt fan and a Louisiana fan, I'm also just a general college football fan, right? Oh, absolutely. The SEC championship it. game is a blast. Every year, it's always a great game, right? Sure. You are aware that now that the Sunbelt plays a conference championship game, it is at the same exact time as the SEC championship game. Well, that's fucking stupid. They need to change it. They need to change it. We play at 2.30, and if I remember correctly, the SEC championship game is at 4. I thought, yeah, I thought it was at 6, actually. Because last year was at night. Well, which, well, which one? Here's, I'm going to check it. I'll check it real quick. Here's, here's the thing, though. Locally, we shouldn't have much interference with that. Um, because <laughs> LSU is a dumpster fire. Exactly. So that should not affect our attendance if we host that day. Just saying, um, if it does, then yeah, but dude, let's, let's, let's be, well, attendance wise. No, but general oh, ratings. Watching, absolutely. I, I agree. The SEC ratings championship wise. game is Saturday, December 4th at 3 PM. Oh, well that's 30 it's minutes after I kick off. Same time. Got to change it. Got to change it. That's atrocious. I'd rather us play at 11 AM <laughs> or seven. Prime time, baby. Mm, that'll never happen. Because you never know. Because, you never know. Well, no, because at, at night you got the Big Ten championship game. Yeah, but nobody's watching the Big Ten championship here. They will watch the SEC. I mean, I I, I agree. Um, also, come on, no, the, Jerry, big, the Big Twelve championship games in the morning. Never mind. Get the, get the bat get the bat signal up and call up Doc and say, look, man, we got to pressure somebody to to change this. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry got all the knowledge. Jerry got all the know-how. Uh, Conference uh, USA news. Middle Tennessee elects to stay in Conference USA 
primarily because of budget issues. And it has since been announced that Western Kentucky is also going to stay in Conference USA. Well, have we have we had an episode since the four teams joined? Yes. Liberty, New Mexico State. Yes. Who are the other two? Yes. Jacksonville State and Sam Houston. Yes. Okay. Tarleton? No Tarleton? No, no Tarleton, Tarleton, man. We're going we're going bigger. Sam Houston, no baby. Tarleton. They didn't they didn't let Tarleton in? No. Huntsville, Texas. Those rat bastards. They 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 dangled the carrot and then they just snatched it away. Those sons of bitches. How how but so, betrayed, so conference betrayed. conference USA is now so I, I have this scale that I created, right? <laughs> and it, it's a sound effects scale. You got <laughs> 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 That was a good one. Wah, wah. Right. All the way up to, you know, like, I'm not going to do it, but like crowd cheering, right? Mm-hmm. Conference USA now kind of falls. They get one whack. It's not total that's shit. Gener- that's being generous, man. That's it's being not, generous. It's not total shit because you got Liberty. You got Sam Houston State who knocked, knocked, the F- knocked the FCS all you want. They were a national champion last year. They they've yeah. got a they've got a decent football program, but no money, yeah. and no well, student fees. Well, welcome welcome to the rest of America. Nobody has money, and, and they voted no on a student fee. So good luck surviving well, Matt, financially. I, five I, years. I, I think the way that we kind of start to divide up how we feel on this is that will you take the Mac or will you take the new Cusa? I would take the Mac because of our guy Russ Eisenstein. I'll take the Mac because of NIU. NIU, I know Ohio hasn't had a great season, but they're starting to win now, and they're traditionally a winner. So you got that. Western Michigan has been to a Rose Bowl in the last decade. Okay? Uh, They have a couple of – what's the – Miami of Ohio had a very good season two years ago. Um, Yeah, until they met the Cajuns. Yeah. Give me the Mac. Give me the Mac. Kidding me? No, for sure. For sure. Uh, Conference USA, I mean, dude, it's, it's Liberty's League to run. I'm very disappointed you don't wanna, that Tarleton didn't get it. That's Liberty's League to run. That's, that's well, going to be atrocious. I, I just I just love the fact that, you know, you have to go, if, especially if they add like a UConn now, if they add like UMass or UConn flying from New Mexico to Connecticut. Nothing like a good, you know, five-hour flight to go play the Huskies. Yeah. Oh, I just, I can't wait till they all, look, they're all going to be sucking at the fall well teat. Liberty, help us. All the crap that's about to go down with Liberty. Grab you, grab your popcorn if you're if you're a fan of dumpster fires. Clutch your pearls. It's, it's going to get real. We'll take a break right here, and when we come back, we'll do Behind Enemy Lines. Give you a preview of the Troy Trojans. Maybe. And then in our, our final segment, it's National Signing Day for Baseball and Softball. Billy Napier, coaching rumors heat up. And Jerry brings you the infamous, man, I tell you what. Rage and review right back after this. (laughs) 
Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Raging Cajun Athletic Foundation. The RCAF, the official fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes across 16 NCAA sports. You can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax-deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of every athlete that puts on the vermilion and white. Go Cajuns! Schilling Distributing Company, Acadiana's top alcohol distributor for over 70 years, has been a proud supporter of Louisiana Athletics for many of those years. Now, they've kindly decided to become the exclusive distributing sponsor of the Rage and Review podcast. This is just another chapter in Schilling Distributing's rich history of giving back to the Lafayette community. Starting as an Anheuser-Busch exclusive distributor, they're now expanded to include local brews for your sipping pleasure. Schilling Services over 1,500 local businesses throughout the Acadiana area, employing 160 Ragin' Cajun residents, and they boast over 1,400 years of combined experience. Corporately headquartered right here in Lafayette at 2901 Moss Street, Schilling Distributing encourages Cajun Nation to enjoy their beverages responsibly and reminds you to download the Liquid Finder app today. Welcome back, everybody. Jerry and Josh, happy to introduce the voice of the Troy Trojans, Mr. Barry McKnight, joining the pod for the very first time. Barry, thanks for taking the time. Really appreciate having you. How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, we, we've been we've been doing this down here in Troy for a while. They told me if I kept on working hard, kept on uh, kept on trying to improve, that sooner or later I'd get to I'd get to be with you guys. So I'm glad I've earned the opportunity. That's a good deal. And look, yes. uh, we better like each other a little bit because we're going to be seeing a whole lot more of each other coming here in the next couple of years with you guys uh, moving over to the West. Yeah, it looks that way. And you know, it's been a while. The, the one thing I think about this rivalry, particularly this year for us, is that it's been a while, you know, and, and it's, you know, even then, even before then, it's, you know, it had been a little while. And man, some of the best games, some of the certainly some of the best atmosphere that I've seen in the Sun Belt Conference has been when Troy plays Louisiana. So I'm, I'm ready to get it going again for sure. Well, like Josh said, we'll be seeing each other every year yep. now, so we won't get any more breaks. And I'm sure geographically speaking, now that Southern Miss is being added close close by, that's probably a huge win, especially for on, on your end in, in Troy, I'm sure. Yes. it's it For us, you know, we're centrally located. We're probably the most centrally located school in the Sun Belt Conference. So, but if you're asking me, I'd much rather go to Louisiana, even Jonesboro, um, you know, Monroe, than Huntington, West Virginia and Harrisonburg, Virginia. That's just my opinion. But yeah, looking forward to uh, to the West. I, I think it, it's more of our identity, really, um, at Troy uh, with some of the some of the history we've had with some of the Western schools. Yeah, for sure. And, and I know, I think, Troy, you, you were in the Southland way back when, so you probably mm -hmm. have some familiarity with oh, yeah. the Magnese States and the Nichols. And, yeah, oh, yeah. So that, Northwestern that's State, all that. Yeah, I, yeah I, I, absolutely. I've been doing Troy for 20 years. Before that, I spent two years doing television play-by-play -play for Troy, and I've, I've made the, the Sunland Football uh, League many times. Lots of good memories <laughs> in Louisiana, for sure, I promise you. 
Well, that's awesome, Barry. Well, thank you so much for coming on with us. And now, now you know, you, you just said you, you've been you've been with Troy for 20 years. Talk a little bit about your time at Troy, your experience. Uh, you've seen transitions. You saw the move to 1A, now mm-hmm. FBS. You've seen Troy make some some really impressive wins, in particular, Missouri 2004, LSU 2017. You know, just talk a little bit about your time there and, and what you've experienced, uh, not just in football, but just across the board. Yeah, it's been really good. I, you know, I remember one time Coach Coach Maestri, the basketball coach here for 31 years, he said, you know, if it hadn't been for all of the different transitions, and in basketball, it was even more from the mid-continent conference to the trans-america athletic conference he said i don't know if i would have i would have um, enjoyed it as much because we've we've been all over the place when i first got to troy it was an 02 and at that point like you said we had just begun the transition into 1a footballs and and we were an independent from 02 until 06 when we joined the Sun Belt conference and believe me being an independent is no fun at this level. Uh, you know, we'd had to play eight road games a year just to, you know, just to get a schedule. So, you know, we went all over the place, um, didn't have a whole lot of home games. When we came to the Sunbelt Conference, uh, I got to tell you, it, there was, and, and Troy reeled off five straight conference championships when we first got there. I, I got to tell you, and Coach Larry Blakeney would be one of the first ones to say, there were times when we could go into the Sunbelt Conference road venue, as it was constituted then, and you knew at Troy that we did not necessarily have to play our best football and we could still expect to win. That hasn't been the case in the Sunbelt Conference since, you know, at least for the past six or seven, eight years. So the conference, it's been really fun for me with all the transitions, again, from one double A to independent status to one A football. It's been a lot of fun, seen a lot of places, been able to broadcast at a lot of places that people don't always get to broadcast from. But it's really been the most heartening watching the evolution of this league. And I'm really looking forward to the next generation of, um, of schools, the next evolution in this program as well. I, I, it, there's so much of a sense of pride in, uh, in being at Troy and in being in the Sunbelt Conference that I'm not sure a lot of schools, when we first got here, really felt that kind of pride. Well, there's a lot of pride in it now. And I think to me, that's the most encouraging, certainly the most notable thing, uh, trend that I can think of since I've been at Troy for the last 20 years. Oh, that's awesome. Barry McKnight is on with us today, the voice of the Troy Trojans. Now, Barry, um, you know, right now, <clears throat> excuse me, Chip Lindsay, third year as head coach. He's had a few five win seasons. Uh, mm-hmm. This year he's five and four, you know, outside of really outside of ULM, Troy's been in every game. Um, would you would you say and look, he came from Auburn, so he's more of a, has that local flavor already. Mm-hmm. Would, would you say that right now? Um, it, it, are fans starting to get a little bit impatient with them? Are they saying give them more time? What's the overall vibe of Chip Lindsay, Lindsay right now at Troy? I think impatience is probably a valid word, and and a little bit of surprise that, quite frankly, um, you know, it hasn't been more successful because because all the tools are there. You mentioned his time at Auburn. He also was a high school. He also was a coach at Troy for a, for a year. He also was a high school coach here in the state of Alabama and in Georgia. So he came in, you know, w- with a really well-built house that Neil Brown left. And, um, 
you know, with lots of resources involving, you know, hiring assistant coaches with the North end zone facility now at the vet with, with so many things. And it's been a combination of a lot of different things as much as anything. He's been unlucky, you know, the first year, uh, three years ago, so many injuries, we had to have 22 different starters on defense because of injuries last year, COVID really got us last year. We could have been bowl eligible, except our last game got canceled. And this year it's been a combination of things close enough in some of the really important games losing here in Troy against Liberty, you know, the loss, um, to South Carolina that Troy really could have won a loss to Coastal Carolina on the road. Little things here and there. The the ULM game, it was penalties. We had 11 penalties. In the South Carolina game, it was turnovers. In the Coastal Carolina game, it was injuries, and the injuries continue to linger so far. So it, it's been a lack of luck, but, you know, the fans are impatient. You know, the, the expectations are high here, and I think he's the first one that would, uh, that would acknowledge that. But you still see the team is so close. You still see a chance. He needs a signature win really. And this is as good of an opportunity as any with a ranked team coming in here. It's homecoming still with the chance, you know, that a win would give bowl eligibility to, for Troy on Saturday. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of factors in here that if brought to bear really kind of lend itself to the fact that this is a really, really big game for Troy this year, for the fans this year, but for Chip Lindsay and his tenure at Troy as well, for sure. I agree with that. And before we dive right into our game coming up on Saturday, uh, you mentioned high expectations. Was the high expectations born out of a fan base that expects to win? Was it Chip Lindsay expecting to have a team that he could win with this particular season? When you say high expectations, what exactly do you mean? Well, Neil Brown came in and, and really changed things. Larry Blakeney was the all-time winningest coach ever. Neil Brown came in and he changed the culture. He, he came in with the vibe that this is what you need to do to get to the next level. Uh, he was the genesis behind the North End Zone facility. So many infrastructure things, so many culture things that Neil did, recruited really well. So when he left, he told, um, he told our leadership here at Troy that this is about to be the most talented team we've had at Troy. So there's always expectations here at Troy. I, I, would, I would not like to, to call play-by-play -play at a school where winning was not important. And it is really important at Troy. So it's a combination of that, but it's also a combination of, boy, things had been really rolling for such a long time under Neil Brown and under Coach Blakeney that you really felt that this was a bona fide situation for somebody to come in some talented coach to come in and just start winning immediately you know use it as a real springboard it's been a good combination uh in the past for coach brown it just you know again there have been some extenuating circumstances in this situation but it still is a program that is that is expected to win and it's still a program that's built to win yeah, and specifically to this game that we, we're looking ahead to, um, I'm sure you guys think you can win, and you should. I've mm -hmm. watched you play this year, mm -hmm. and I, I agree that that South Carolina game, uh, outside of a couple of wacky turnovers, uh, they for the large majority of the game, I thought they looked like the better team. Um, now, that was predicated on Gunnar Watson. Or no, it was, uh, I'm sorry, the backup Taylor Powell. Powell. Mm -hmm. He was in yep. the game a, a large majority of that game. Uh, we know that there's some uncertainty about the quarterback position on Saturday. Do you know anything specific about – 
who may start? Is Gunner going to be healthy? Um, what goes into that decision? Well, there's there's not only Gunner. Their, their uh, decision is going to be based on practice time this week. Uh, to give w- without giving out too much personal information, Gunner left with an up with a uh, above the shoulders injury, uh, and Taylor Powell had to come in, finish the game, uh, held on to get the win. Um, the running back who has really been good, Kamani Vidal, left with the same type of an injury. Uh, and the starting linebacker, Carlton Marshall, the best football player in the Sunbelt Conference, he left in the third quarter with a different injury. It was a leg injury. Uh, they have been out there in practice. I don't know how many first-team reps Gunner got, but he is out there. I don't know how much Kimani Vidal is out there working, but those are, I'll be honest, those are three guys right now that that the status is hanging with, with Watson and with Vidal, you know, who have both been playing really, really well over the last four games, that's significant as to whether they can play or not. There's quality experienced backups behind them, but if Carlton Marshall can't go on it on defense and Troy has been phenomenal defensively, that's as big of a loss as you can possibly imagine for any one player in any one school in the Sunbelt conference. So, so adding on to that, you know, I know the quarterback situation is sort of fluid right now because mm-hmm. of the situation with Gunnar Watson. And I know uh, Taylor Powell had some starting experience early on, um, you know, reading the message boards, getting the vibe of Troy fans. It sounds like Taylor Powell has a little more volatility, if you will, to his play compared to Gunnar Watson. Um, but, but adding on to the offense, you mentioned Kamani Vidal, who I watched him against Coastal Carolina, in yes. my opinion. You just keep handing him off the ball. Troy wins. I mean, like, I was just like, just right. keep feeding him mm-hmm. the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, but but talking a little bit about the offense was Kamani Vidal. Another name that pops up is Tez Johnson at wide receiver. Yeah. Doing mm-hmm. a great job. You know, Troy has always been known, and I'm sure since you've been there, they've always run that spread offense. But a little bit of mix of run here and there. Right. Mm-hmm. What kind of offensive identity does Chip Lindsay have this year? Uh, and what can the Cajuns expect to prepare for on their scheme-wise? Well, the 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 off season with Chip, and it's a it's a it's a insightful question to ask because it, it changes this year. Troy, under Coach Lindsay, throws the ball about fifty six percent of the snaps, which is and fifty six doesn't sound like a ton, but it's one of the top ten ratios in in college football. During the off season, he told Jerry Miller and me, Jerry's our color analyst, that uh, boy, we're really going to be able to run the football this year. Uh, every offensive line starter was back. Every offensive lineman on the two deep was back. Uh, He loves Kamani Vidal with good reason. Really going to be able to run the football. That's going to be our identity this year. And, you know, shorten games to give our defense more of a rest than we have in the past. And guys, except for the, a couple of games, you know, Vidal ran for 162 against Texas state, 142 against coastal Carolina early on in the season, that running game was not there. And that really hamstrung Troy at that point. If you, if we were to sit here and talk on this, um, on this conversation at the end of September, I wouldn't have been able to tell you what the offensive identity is. I, I told you what they would want it to be, but it hadn't happened yet. So there's signs. There's signs that the running game is back. I agree with you about Coastal Carolina. You keep running that football, you maybe give yourself a better chance. But um, it's been better. That's what they, again, that's what they want the identity to be certainly against uh, a team like Louisiana where, you know, you've got to take your shots downfield because they're so physical and, you know, so um, dynamic in, in controlling the football, you're not going to get a lot of opportunities on offense. Um, so you want to have a few dynamic plays. You want to get some chunk plays, 
but you also need to control the ball yourself a good bit. So to me, that shapes up what Louisiana can expect is pretty much what they're expecting from, from every other school out there. Uh, Billy Napier is going to bring a very physical team. If you're not prepared to be physical back, then they will grind you out of the stadium. That's what I'm expecting, especially as you say, if, if, you know, if the weather is cold or, or bad or anything like that, physicality is at a premium on Saturday. Usually the most physical team wins definitely in this game, the most physical team is going to win. The defense is kind of Troy's calling card in 2021, especially with everything that's been going on injury wise. Um, you got a couple of guys that, you know, you have some attrition on the defensive side. What has been the linchpin for the defense? Why is this particular addition so good, so fast, and, and really just they just put up a wall uh, this year against pretty decent offenses? Well, it's it, the, the fast part of it is the biggest deal. You know, the linchpin of it all is Carlton Marshall. Uh, he, he's he, he's been absolutely stupendous in his entire career. That's why, you know, a potential loss of him would be cataclysmic. But but it's a fast defense. Everybody, is, everybody can run. Everybody can run uh, the front seven. As, as fast as any front seven gotta be in group of five. Uh, and it all is predicated upon not necessarily building a wall, but bursting through their wall. Troy leads the nation in number of negative plays forced. Troy leads the nation in sacks. Troy leads the nations in, in, in tackles for loss. They have been able to just pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. It's been phenomenal. Uh, there, there've been, um, I've been 34 sacks, um, which is first in the Sunbelt Conference. It, it, it's all built on getting upfield, pressuring the quarterback, getting into the backfield. There's a lot of chances taken, uh, and sometimes it's not the most fundamental defense in the world because they will shoot a gap when maybe that's not the right gap. But everything on defense is predicated on getting in the backfield, pressuring the quarterback. Uh, Troy has 14 interceptions, including a pick six last week. That was totally dependent upon Javon Solomon being in the quarterback's face, just a real lollipop out there to KJ Robertson. So if there is one keynote to answer your question, it is team speed and an absolute dedication an absolute commitment to getting after the quarterback, getting into the backfield. It's been, it, it, it's been, really fun to watch and fun to call and to add some context for our listeners uh those tackle for loss that troy has amounted is triple what the cajuns have been able to do so that'll give you a little bit of an idea of, of how just how good they've been behind the line of scrimmage well that also means obviously you, you can't just you know you can't just outrun everybody every play you have to take some chances troy sure. has taken some chances along the defensive front javon solomon and richard Gibbonor, the auburn transferred the two bandits are, are as good as any athletes on the defensive line in the Stunbelt Conference, uh, but they're freewheeling. So you take some chances. That means, you know, if you can keep your head about you, if you're the quarterback, if you can keep your eyes downfield, there's going to be somebody open. There's an opportunity for a big play if, you, if, if, you know, if, if the opponent takes a chance or takes chances. That's been a that's been a um, a stumbling block. There've been some big plays against Troy, but by and large, you know, Troy has been able to to force the opposition to operate uh, behind schedule. Second and ten, second and eleven, second and fourteen or fifteen, and that really has um, lit the fire for them to you know get after him even more. Yeah, I understand, and I think that that, that that's a winning formula in the Sun Belt Conference. Um, 
I would ask you this, Jerry and I are, are we're, we're football nerds, so we probably might put a little more into this than than maybe some, but we are curious about, have you been able to look at uh, unit matchups, you know, the Troy mm-hmm. defense versus the Cajuns offense, you know, we, we, we have our identity, we want to run the football, but we do like to take shots over the top, and we've been successful uh, with a pretty, a pretty good clip uh, doing that with Levi uh, down the field. Do you think that there is an opportunity one way or the other for the Troy, the Troy defense to exploit some things that Billy Napier are going to try to do offensively? Well, I've been trying to find that out, really. And, and, and Lewis is one of the more mobile quarterbacks in the country. So trying to pin him down is one thing. Plus, he's really good at making quick decisions. Over the last couple of weeks, there's been some success by opposing quarterbacks in just getting the ball out of there. I don't know that there's going to be great opportunities to just cut the top off the defense, to just throw it over the Troy defensive backs. Maybe I'm wrong, but I do think that there is that possibility, particularly if Marshall's not playing. One of our other weak side linebackers, Jaden McDonald, has been injured for a couple of weeks. I do think there's a chance for somebody, you know, maybe one of those quick hitters, a slant or something where, um, you know, a missed tackle and they can be they can be gone. I do think sometimes you can scheme against a defense that quick. You know, you can you can bank on some over pursuit. So, you know, sometimes there is an opportunity again for a quick hitter from Levi uh, that would you know that somebody misses a tackle and he's gone. I also think there's an opportunity for maybe uh, you know a big play in the run game, but um, again, you, you there's not going to be many opportunities and and for Louisiana they're going to have to, they're going to have to communicate really well in that offensive line. And, you know, I really like Osiris Torrance. I really like uh, Ken Marks and those guys, but any lack of communication there and any false step there, any, any hesitation there because of a lack of communication and the defensive front's going to be by you, a linebacker is going to be by you. There's a lot of, there's a lot of um, responsibility on the offensive line, not just to hold you know, their responsibilities, but to communicate across the front, because Troy's going to give them a lot of different looks across the defensive line. Yeah, I'll admit, as a Cajuns fan, I'm a little nervous about that matchup. I know Troy's front seven is just, I mean, look, we take pride. <clears throat> Louisiana takes pride. We take pride in our front seven. I mean, mm-hmm. they're very physical, very fast around the edges. But Troy is exactly almost the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've seen it through the scores. I mean, you look at the scores, even in some of the losses the Trojans have had, Mm-hmm. The defense has kept them in the game when the offense isn't moving the football. So that does make me a little bit nervous, but I love the matchup. Look, the best brand of football is played in the line of scrimmage. I- I've always said yeah. that. And I think mm-hmm. this is one of those games that you're, it, we're going to see who wins the line of scrimmage. And, and I think, you know, with all of the matchups that we're taking into account here, if you look at the body of work for the Cajuns so far this year, there have been it, there's been some games that have come down to the fourth quarter, the Nichols game, you know, the um Heck, the Georgia Southern game, you know, uh, the game against Arkansas State that the Cajuns should have won by three touchdowns, as it turns out, you know, the Georgia State game. In the fourth quarter, Louisiana has had the the wherewithal in a close game to do what they need to do to salt away a win. You know, they, they, they have not they have not hurt themselves uh, in the fourth quarter anyway. Uh, they, they have been very, uh, they've been very effective, very disciplined in the fourth quarter. Troy has not, like we've mentioned before, Troy has gone into fourth quarter close in a few games. And a lot of those games just have not fallen Troy's way. I anticipate a fourth quarter game. I anticipate a big play or a big mistake 
or two late in this game to probably dictate the winner. Um, I don't, I don't see quite honestly, any way around that. You know, we talked about before we came on the segment, we, we kind of discussed a little bit about the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was a front that just passed through here in Lafayette. And of course, any weather we get is going to go straight to Troy. Yeah, <laughs> so you'll true. probably be getting it in the next day or two, which is going to have an effect on the game on Saturday. Uh, so I'm guessing uh, the temperatures are going to drop a little bit. Yes. It mm-hmm. might be a little bit, it might be a little wet, cold, a little bit, little dampness especially up in Troy um, in that area, I'm sure they're going to get, a, you guys are going to get affected by it, but what type of factor with the brand of football that both the Cajuns and the Trojans play, would you say that weather would come in and determine what, what the fate of this game could be? Well, that's the run game as much as anything. And again, this is why um, so many eggs have been put in the basket of Kimani Vidal at the beginning of the season, it, it, the Texas state game to salt that game away when, 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 Texas State was making the run at it, just gave the ball to Kamani, leaned on that offensive line. The Coastal Carolina game probably should have done a little bit more with them. But again, in a close game at the very end, the one game for Troy, especially if Vidal can go, especially if he's anywhere close to 100%. To me, that's the key factor. Um, You know, there is experience behind him, B.J. Smith. Uh, who was the conference offensive player of the year preseason um, two years ago before he got hurt and had a traffic accident. BJ is not as explosive as he used to be. He's not as explosive as Vidal anyway, but he is a very competent back. He's, you know, he's very experienced. He doesn't turn the ball over. He would be that guy, although the, the explosive plays, the chance of those would be gone. It's going to come down in that case, if, if what you're saying does happen, and I believe it might, uh, on a wet field in the fourth quarter, whoever runs the football well, and again, keeps from making the catastrophic mistake, gives themselves the best chance to win. Barry, we appreciate your analysis. Before we let you get out of here, we got one fun question. Okay. Sunbelt days are changing. Uh, we got, we got some uh, new invitees to the party. What, uh, what do you think about the new mates? How do you, how do you look at the future of the Sunbelt conference? Um, you know, just kind of talk to us about that. I know you can take that question 15 different ways, uh, right. but if you could just maybe touch on a, the, a few of the programs and, and your excitement level. I thought the one get, you know, with everything happening, and we kind of figured it would happen when Texas and Oklahoma made their move, that it would trickle down to the Sunbelt Conference. The one must have, in my mind, was, was Southern Miss. And we've had some great games there. We played them, you know, we played them this year in Hattiesburg and won that game. Uh, that, that is a big rivalry for Troy. That's a big rivalry for, uh, for South Alabama. You know, um, the Cajuns will play them every year, and, and that, that's, that's going to be huge, recruiting against those same people. That's the one that you had to have. The ones up in the Northeast, I, I love. You know, we played Marshall several times up there. Big football school. Uh, it, that gives a great deal of credibility as well. Never been to James Madison, but I've watched them. I've watched their program before. We've had students uh, in our staff that have been there and said that that's a terrific addition. If you if you've got to get an FCS program coming up, James Madison is the one to get there. And uh, Old Dominion. I think it helps with the overall footprint, not so much in football so far, but, but really good in some of the secondary sports and a growth program that if it, if it evolves in the Sunbelt conference uh, with the recruiting base in Virginia and in Norfolk, uh, it would be, you know, it would be a real 
strong addition to the league. But like most of the play-by-play guys around here, Jay Walker's the same way, and he's been he's been there longer than I've been here. We judge the new additions by how well we eat in some of these places. Southern Miss has got a few really good barbecue places. Uh, there's a really good uh, ribs place in Huntington, West Virginia. Cannot wait to scout out what it looks like in Harrisonburg and Norfolk. But in terms of eating, Sunbelt Conference is second to none, and Lafayette leads in that category in this league for sure. Cheers to that. Amen. Uh, you know, Barry, speaking of which, I wanted to kind of add on to the conference realignment conversation. You know, our fan base at the time, a few years ago, there were talks of, well, within our fan base of saying, hey, maybe the American might be a good fit, right? You, had, you could have played Memphis, UCF, Cincinnati, Tulsa. And recently with the way it shifted, a lot of those good teams from the American are now going to the Big 12. Um, and they've restructured into basically another version of Conference USA um, to the point where our fans are very happy with the way the Sun Belt has correlated itself into pretty much it could be a dominant conference in the G5 level. I'm just kind of curious from your standpoint, talking to the Trojan fans, what, what did Detroit, what was the vibe of Detroit fan base with the Sun Belt maybe five or six years ago, as opposed to today with everything that has played out in the past few months with adding the four new teams with Conference USA? basically coming within a, a week mm-hmm. of disbanding almost. And with the American just adding a bunch of leftover Conference USA schools, what, what, how are the Trojan fans feeling about all of this? We're, we're loving life right now because, uh, you know, again, centrally located in the Sunbelt Conference, we've had success across uh, some of the sports in the Sunbelt Conference. Uh, really, really, uh, you know, really, really have some really deep-seated rivalries all across the league. And it's not just South Alabama. It's across the entire Sunbelt Conference. Five or six years ago, uh, I think the big mistake that was made was some of the other conferences looking specifically at markets rather than footprints, if you understand what I'm saying. Uh, and I don't want to pile on on anybody, but going after FIU – was just a strict look at the market. It is a big market, but it is a big market that doesn't care one iota about FIU. Uh, meanwhile, in the, the Sun Belt has identified schools with big footprints. Cajuns, uh, you know, uh, Troy has a large regional footprint in Southeast, you know, it's a, it's a huge multi-campus um, entity, uh, Northeast, Northwest Florida, Southwest Georgia, um, you know, Appalachian State, Georgia Southern, uh, and, and, you know, uh, Arkansas State, all the way through, they are great footprints without necessarily being huge markets. I think that's where the American Athletic Conference may have, and, and the Conference USA has struggled because of that. I think the AAC was looking at kind of the same thing. I'll also say this. Everybody in the Sunbelt Conference that I talked to was a little bit nervous about Louisiana moving up. You've got the Cajuns have been really good, again, across the board in so many sports, basketball, softball, women's basketball, all the way around. Uh, It is a growing town. It is a town with a great deal of resources, probably more more resources than any other footprint in the Sunbelt Conference, possibly. Uh, but I think that the, the Sunbelt, especially looking into the future, really fits the vision of the Raging Cajuns, you know, with the regional rivalries, with the, you know, heartfelt, um, the heartfelt 
uh, feelings of other schools coming to, to Lafayette. It's a big deal. So, you know, that was one of the things I was thinking about is if there was another, if there was another domino to fall from the Sunbelt Conference, I thought for sure it would be Louisiana. I think they made the right decision. I think the decision may have been a little bit short-sighted from some of the other conferences. They see Lafayette, 120,000, 130,000, not the biggest market. But I think in terms of footprint, it is as legitimate as anybody else out there. Really glad that they're here. Really glad that they're staying and looking forward to many, many more years of competing against the Cajuns. Well, we echo that sentiment. Voice of the Trojans, Mr. Barry McKnight. Barry, appreciate you coming on. Love the segment. Anytime you want to come on, you have a place here. Guys, you can find Barry at Barry McKnight on Twitter. You can find him at Barry uh, McKnight.com. He's also on uh, Sports Radio 740 in Troy, Alabama. Yep. And once again, looking forward to Saturday. Can't wait to see the game. It's going to be fun. I'm telling you, it goes down to the fourth quarter. I anticipate a, uh, a memorable one, fellas, for sure. We, we've had too many of those. I mean, look, we already have heart problems with the food we eat down here. We don't need any more with anxiety of watching the Cajuns. I, I told, you know, real quickly, Barry, uh, we do a reaction pod after every game. And I said, you know, as a Cajuns fan, this year you need a cardiologist because all these close games, man, it's too much. Yeah. And I, unfortunately, it's going to happen again this weekend. Well, you know, I, I just, I just, I can see it. That's the way Troy plays. That's the mm -hmm. style of football Cajuns play. So, Go ahead and grab finish. the Tums because it's going right. to happen. <laughs> All right, Barry, be well. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you, Barry. All right, everybody, stay tuned. Got more for you in the last segment. Acadiana business owners, are you looking for custom solutions from local professionals that understand your business needs? Maybe you're looking to streamline your processes, become more efficient, and achieve elevated peace of mind? Utilizing and combined 30 years of experience in the financial and technology fields, the Vaulted Security Team is ready to assist you with reaching your goals. From credit card processing, internet and phone services, website hosting and design, to hosted cloud, even digital marketing and recovery software, Vaulted Security can do it all. Here's a message from Solutions Specialist, Anna Bourgeois. Hi, I'm Anna Bourgeois, your Solutions Specialist, and it's my goal to understand how we can make your business run more efficiently while increasing profits. I'm very passionate about doing business genuinely. In the merchant services industry and other business areas, it's hard to find a partner that you can trust without question. I'm here to change that perception. Give me a chance to show you what true partnership is all about. Contact Anna today at 337-210-4272 or email Anna at Vaulted Security Welcome back to Region Review. Matt, Jerry, and Josh. Now the behind enemy lines has been taken care of. It's time to talk about McNasty or McLeast or whatever horrible nickname you want to give them. Ryan Street High. Ryan, Ryan Street High School. Yeah, that's a good one too. 
McNeese has actually made a smart decision for once in their lives. They had the opportunity, or so it was presumed, to go to Conference USA. They realized that that was probably not in their best interest. So they have decided to stay in the Southland. They have decided to stay FCS. And in the process, have made out like bandits. I mean, un- unreal how, for, for lack of better words, how lucky McNeese has gotten with, with this decision. Hey, maybe they strong-armed them. You know, maybe they strong-armed, strong-armed Southland because they're hosting softball, baseball, basketball, volleyball, I think. Jerry, maybe correct me if I'm wrong. For three years, from 20, 2020, and no, it's four years, 2022 to 2026. Wow. There you go. You know what kind of money that's going to generate for that school? And, and look, they need it. And and there's a small part of me that is is saying good for them because the hurricane damage that they sustained last year and the year before that, and Lake Charles has had a, had a tough time for, for a little while here. So good for them. I guess, but you have to, you have to respect the leadership and the vision because look, there's no doubt about it. They, they did what a coach does. They, they kind of bambi about their interests in another school and they go back to the administration that, te- that currently employs them. And they say, well, we might stay for a couple million dollars more. That's what they did. And good for them. You know, whatever. Yeah, I also think really, I mean, they just like they just have too small of a budget. I mean, that was the big topic we talked about before of going to Conference USA. How are you going to survive with a what twelve million dollar budget? Um, I mean, that's one of the reasons why you know this half the Southland and Texas split from the Southland itself last year because now, the Louisiana schools were now, flooded with budgets. Now, now let's be nice. Well, I mean, I'm telling the truth. Let's just, be nice. It's not, no, no, it's true. I mean, but, it's, but, that's why it happened. That's no, why it happened. No, seriously. Like they had, look, Stephen F. Austin and Sam well, Houston. I, I know, I know, it's, around I know 19, it's, $20 million budgets. I know it's true, but you didn't have to say it. Oh, we're what? doing Stephen A. Smith. We're doing Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> Come on, Jerry, pick up on it. That was a Stephen A. Smith reference. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I'm, 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 I'm kind of in deep thoughts here, man. And y'all are, y'all are Stephen A. Smithing me right now. I, I am trying to get my, my, my deep thoughts in here and uh <laughs> y'all are just uh, no, you're not you're not wrong the, the only thing that I would question and, and my only pushback on the opinion and I know you're mostly right but the only thing I would say is that they had to open the books at some point and they had to show the Southland look we're leaving for the whack in order to yeah. get what they got in this contract that's, that's the only thing maybe they had some pledges from some private businesses and private donors maybe that's the case but I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm saying that they actually had no, some fine. sort of leverage to say, give us the tournaments or we're out. And it worked out. Uh, well, uh, it's, it's about long, it's sustainability too, right? So the question is to me in the Southland, what would, what, where, okay. So what would benefit them staying as opposed to going to the WAC? And my, I guess my answer is money, right? You got a $12 million budget. You go to the WAC. You got to go to Sacramento. You got to go to Utah. You got to go to Arizona. You got to go all these places out West. Costs money, man. I mean, heck, your travel budget, it's like 50% of that, right? It's not cheap. 
So, I mean, okay, I'm exaggerating. Obviously, it's not that much, but it's enough to where it can put a damper on a $12 million budget. So, um, I just think as a whole, it just financially, it just made sense to, to keep it close. Look, you're still in the conference with Central Arkansas. No, not Central Arkansas. Uh, Nick, wait, Central Arkansas is still in the Southland? Yeah, they're still in the Southland. Pretty sure, yeah. But you still got Nichols. You still got... You still got Southeastern. You still have uh, Northwestern State. I mean, you still got schools that are close by geographically and geographically friendly to where you're not spending an arm and a leg to go out west or wherever to be in the whack. Um, and I think that had a lot to do with it as well. Plus, you keep the rival- the rivalries. Um, that's another thing is, you know, what we laugh about Conference USA, but one thing Conference USA is going to have a, some growing pains with is the fact that now you're playing schools you've never heard of. We went through the same thing whenever – App State, Georgia Southern, and Coastal joined. Um, now, granted, we're very lucky that they've been winning, right, and that they're dominating the way they have to, to keep prestige in our conference. But, you know, you start playing teams, you start getting away from the teams you're familiar with and then start going to play Southern Utah. Man, the, the fans are going to be like, well, who, who who's that, <laughs> right? And it uh, takes away interest. So I, I think, look, we'd laugh about it, but financially, I mean, I don't think Magnese had a choice. I, I think they had to stay and. Hey, more power to them. I mean, it is what it is. Long-term, you're probably correct. Just to say, though, there was something that made the Southland roll out the red carpet, and you have to wonder what that is. I think the new Kusa is interesting in from a competition standpoint, but, you know, four years into this new version of the of Kusa before it got rated, you know, this year, they were talking about how they were broke. TV contract wasn't worth the paper it was written on. Uh, the teams were, the programs were going broke on travel expenses alone. They just got bigger from a geographical standpoint. They're not going to get that much more of a TV contract, if any better. I mean, I think that they have learned their lesson that they're not going to go with Facebook Live and streaming services, hopefully. I don't know who the hell is going to pick them up. Some of the, like, we've talked about this already, but some of the channels that had them on their on their platforms are, are freaking extinct. So yeah, true. I, I don't know where the TV deal comes from, but whatever the case may be, it's not going to cover the travel expenses. And I think that you're looking at another DOA conference in three to five years. I just, I just don't understand. I think that this is just what has happened here over the last couple of weeks is Kusa trying to stay alive and a certain amount of, you know, a couple of programs looking at them as a lifeboat temporarily. And that's all yeah. I see. I, th- I think that there's another realignment coming in five to seven years, but I don't know if Kusa makes it that long. Not with this iteration. Well, all we're, look, guys, I was just going to say, look, understand though, look, when, when the AAC looks to expand, just know that apparently everybody in Ruston says that they're going to be the next phone call to go to the oh, Americans. You know, so, oh, no, they're, they're going to the SEC, Jerry. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry, SEC. SEC. I, you you know, know what, speaking, how ignorant of me. Speaking, I, I apologize. Well, while, we're, while we're on the subject of Kusa, Let's talk about Louisiana Tech for just a moment. Yeah, let's talk. Was on crack. <laughs> Can you do that again? I, I wasn't quite sure what uh what just happened there. Oh boy! Who was on crack? <laughs> Stephen A. Smith, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the the legendary Stephen A. Smith talking about Louisiana Tech being on crack. <laughs> hey, by the way, since, since, 
Since Cusa has disintegrated, Louisiana Tech's 0-4. Just wanted to throw that out there. They're awful. <laughs> They're so bad. They're so bad. And then don't even get me started on the Cusa podcast that called Rage and Review a disgrace. Oh, no, no. Because don't we even, apparently don't no, even what's get funny me is, started on that. That's hilarious. They talk about how we tweeted about them 14 times that one day whenever they got a taste of karma. But I just, my response is you're upset about 14 tweets in a day. What about the 30 or 40 years of arrogance and the 30 and 40 years that has, that has now gone down undermining fellow in-state schools for your own benefit? Like you're going to get mad over 14 tweets. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Like 30 years. That nerd is a glue huffer. And all the stuff that he said about us and that that ridiculous podcast that we listened to was so validating. Oh, he is so upset. It was beautiful. He, he's so upset that Rage and Review is just crushing tech on a daily basis. Also, uh, um, while we're talking about validation, let, let me just say, Rage and Review's Twitter page has hit fifteen hundred followers. Ooh, and about. I want to say that over the last 90 days, over the last 90 days, we have had 8,000 listens. Sick. To this podcast. Absolutely. We're on the way up. Uh, We want to say thank you to the fans who listen to us. We love you. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, And look, we want to say thank you to the fans of other teams. Especially Louisiana Tech. Yeah, yes. you're, 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 you're giving you're, us you're ratings, putting, so putting, we love you're putting, you for You're putting food on the table, boys and girls. Appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's transition to COVID Carolina. That's another fan base that just keeps feeding us. Uh, Grayson McCall has... I, I don't even know what type of injury Grayson McCall has. It's an his upper whole, body injury. His whole that. upper body is injured. Because, the whole thing. because there was talks about him suffering a concussion against Troy. And then Saturday against, who was it? Uh, Georgia Southern. Uh, it, it appeared that maybe he got hit in the head again. But then I, I saw shots of him grabbing his shoulder. I'm not sure... What's officially hurt? I mean, I know they labeled it an upper body injury, but let's be honest. Your upper body's about 85 different pieces. They're never going to tell us uh, the truth. That's the so, kind of program they, they but I'll run. Say, but I'll say this. If it's a concussion-related issue. And they ran him back out there. The fact that they ran him back out there against Troy and then again against Georgia Southern. Disgust me. You know, look, I, we 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 laugh at Coastal Carolina at our at, at their expense. That's but disgusting. Look, that Grayson. Look, I, I want to wish we all wish Grayson McCall well. We hope he gets better. There's no reason to to do that. Um, now, you if, know, if, when you have when you're in concussion protocol, you put him back out there. That 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 is that is horrible. Now, I'm sorry, if, if if the kid told the coaches that he was fine, that's one thing. No, wouldn't the medical no, staff know about that? That's though? right. Wouldn't the medical the medical staff should know about that? Every football player is going to tell you they're fine. That is on the coaching staff and the medical staff. And I, I have always questioned that coaching staff because I, I think that they're low class people. Period. Yeah, that's absolutely disgusting. 
but I will, I will say case. this, Matt, in, in all, I'm just going to be candid. Okay. I cannot stand those sons of bitches. I can't stand them. I hate the program. I don't like the people there. I hate the school, the whole deal. It, it is, is it a shame that he's hurt that way. And if they ran him out there again, they should all be fired because that's wrong, but it hurts our league because the rivalry that we've been able to foster with them, even though it's, it's heated and it's, it's kind of nasty. It's really good for the Sun Belt. Yep. It really is. 100%. And, and, you know, you want your best players playing in the most important moments. And even though I hate those guys, I want to see McCall on the field. I want to beat McCall. I don't want to beat Carpenter. I want to beat McCall. You know, I don't, I don't want to beat App State without Chase Bryce. I want to beat the best. And that's how, because look, if we don't, if we go out there and beat them, they'll be able to say, oh, well, you know, you beat us with our backup quarterback. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to, we are a better team. We are a better program. Coastal is a Johnny come lately. I want them to run McCall out there. I want them to run out Teddy D bag out there. I want to beat them. I want to beat all those guys. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. Did y'all see the tweet about, uh, about old Teddy that I sent, uh, you know, at the very late, Hour? Yes. It was yes. funny to me. Funny yes. to me, but I did not know that I uh, sent that originally. But hey, you know, it's, it's all fun. It's all fun. Okay, we're going to have to take take the Twitter away from Josh in, in the overnight hours. Um, I'm usually pretty good. I'm usually pretty good. That was, uh, uh, you know, just having a little fun. Billy Napier. His name is appearing in even more coaching searches. Surprise, surprise. Uh, his name is circulating in the Texas Tech search. Oh, wait, not Texas Tech. No, Texas Tech hired somebody. Um, TCU. TCU. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. The TCU coaching mm-hmm. search, as well as the SMU coaching search. Not happening. Um, his name has also come up as a possibility if Florida decides to move on from Dan Mullen. I don't see that happening. They gave him one more year. Um, I don't know, man. That thing is disintegrating quickly. And then they, they just fired a bunch of assistants and who knows. Man. Yeah. But you see to, to me, at least the firing of assistants means that they're giving Mullen exactly. another chance. They're giving him one more shot. Yep. I agree. They're going to let him hire some new assistants and they're going to say, you got a shot here because if they were going to fire Dan Mullen, they'd have fired Dan Mullen. Well, Agreed. he's got a $12 million buyout. So of course they want to avoid that, but you can't lose to South Carolina by 30. Well, I mean, I, I agree. Well, yeah. Sure. You're going to lose the goddamn fan base. You're going to lose the booster base. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I don't, I don't think you're saying anything that's, that's incorrect. However, I do, I do believe I, I personally believe that them firing multiple assistants only secures Dan Mullen's job further. Um, and then, of course, you know, you're, Napier's, you're probably right. you're probably Nap, right. Napier's name is appearing in the Refineryville coaching search as well. Um, I don't see that happening at all. Jerry? Uh, not right now. No. No, I, 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 don't don't think Napier, I, I don't think Napier's going anywhere this year. I don't. They're going after a bigger name, um, a, a name that probably is more resonated with a P5 program, um, if, even though I think Billy – a name that will excite the Walmart fans. Is if if, if Billy Napier is not on the Louisiana sidelines in September of 2022, it will be because he took a job that is not yet open. I, I, 
I think that Blacksburg and TCU are two places that you need to keep your eye on. That's just my personal opinion. I don't have I, any information. I agree, I agree with you wholeheartedly on both of them. But I don't. I don't think he goes to TCU, though. I do not think he's going to Baton Rouge. I, I In fact, I, you know, I'm trying to watch what I say because I know people listen and, and, and I want to mislead, but Billy Napier's not coaching Baton Rouge next year. I, I just, it's not happening, guys. It's just not happening. So, Keep your eyes elsewhere because I don't necessarily think it's a guarantee that he'll be on the sidelines for us in vermilion and white. But I know that he won't be in purple and puke, and that makes me feel good. Jerry Bear. Yo. Can I tell you what? Hey, are we giving a score prediction for the game? Um, 27 to 7. Ooh. Pain. If it if it's a rainy game, Montreal Johnson runs for two hundred and three scores. Oh my goodness, that's that sounds that sounds great. Twenty-seven wow. to seven. Okay, the okay. household predicts pain. Predicts pain. Good pain so or bad that, pain? So that's a Cajun win, then. I don't know if I'm being set up for a sexual joke or. <laughs> <laughs> no, is it is it good pain? As in, we win. Like we inflicting inflict pain. pain. Okay, thank you. Inflicting that's, pain. That, that's the word. That's the words I needed. Jerry Bear, what about you? I'm sorry. Say that again. What's your prediction? Well, if Taylor Powell plays, apparently he's the worst thing ever, according to Troy fans. So if he plays, I like the Cajuns by at least two touchdowns. Who was um, on crack? Uh, but but I think I'll, I'll be honest with you. I have to give. I'm going to give the Cajuns a win. I'm probably going to say bye bye to touchdown. I'll say Cajuns 24 17. You know, Jerry's, Troy's Jerry's, one... Jerry's got money on Troy. No, I don't. I don't bet. But anyway, um, it's just the fact that like they they've been we played we played close games and and really we're on the road and Troy's won three out of four. So and just about every loss they've been in, they've been competitive. So they do kind of scare me a little bit. I just think the Cajuns are going to outpower them. I think the Cajuns are going to beat them at the line of scrimmage. And uh, I think they'll uh, go nine and one. We'll, we'll own them. Heading over to Liberty next week. We so will I'm own sure. them. We will trust, own Liberty. Trust, we will trust own. Sox, we will own UL Monroe, and we will own whoever we play in the Sun Belt Conference Championship game. Troy sucks. Okay. All right. Anyways, so that's my prediction. Then I tell you what. For the third time. <laughs> third time's a job. Jerry Bear, what you got? All right. Man, I tell you what. It's nice to see our. It's nice to see things go our way for a change. Last Thursday night, we witnessed another thriller. Though we played like the Cajuns of the late '90s in the first half, which of course you guys remember, one in ten and two in nine seasons. The modern day Cajuns decided to show up midway through the third quarter to do just enough to earn their eighth straight win on the season while maintaining a spot in the top twenty-five, and of course their fourth straight Sun Belt Western Division title. It feels like it has somehow become a norm, but we just find a way to pull a rabbit out of our hat. But this was not always the case. I go back to the year 2005 when the Cajuns hosted UCF at Cajun Field. Coach Ricky Bussell was in his fourth year as UL head coach, and though the football program was on a slow rise, it had not seen a winning season in a full decade, which was when the Cajuns went 6-5 and five in 1995. This was the fourth game of that 2005 season. Now, this was not the same UCF team that we know today. This UCF team had just beaten Marshall 
the week before, which ended a 17-game losing streak dating back to 2003. Like us, UCF was looking for their own identity. The game started off with some trouble for the Cajuns. Starting quarterback Jerry Babb went down with an injury, which would keep him out for the rest of the game. So in came freshman quarterback Mike Desermo to take the reins of running the Cajuns' offense. But with a little experience came a rougher start on the scoreboard. UCF would jump to a 21-0 lead and all looked lost for the Cajuns. But then the Cajuns had a few breaks. Brought the score to 21-7, then 21-14. And by the fourth quarter, the teams were tied at 21. Unfortunately, the Cajuns just couldn't get over the hump as UCF kicked a 28-yard field goal as time expired to escape Cajun Field with a 24-21 win. To say that the UL football team and fans were devastated would be an understatement. That loss hurt because it was a point in our history where we had experienced so many of these close games, which just didn't go our way. Now fast forward two weeks later when the Cajuns traveled to Jonesboro, Arkansas. Leading 22-7 late in the game, we watched Arkansas State make a massive comeback behind quarterback Nick Nochi to the point where the game was tied at 36. But once again, the Cajuns would lose on a last-second field goal as time expired. In spite of these two losses, the Cajuns would finish the 2005 season with a 6-5 record, which gave them their first winning season in a decade, as well as the share of the Sunbelt Conference Championship. But unfortunately, the Sunbelt Conference only had one bowl tie-in, at the time, which was the New Orleans Bowl, which went to the champion, who happened to own the tiebreaker. And who was it? None other than Arkansas State, who defeated the Cajuns with that massive comeback earlier that season. To add insult to injury, the New Orleans Bowl had to be moved from the Superdome due to Hurricane Katrina. Where did it move to? None other than Cajun Field. Yes, We got to see Arkansas State use our locker room, run out of the tunnel, stand on our sideline, and play in our bowl game. And it was all because we could not finish that game up in Jonesboro just a few months before. Just like we couldn't finish the UCF game a few weeks prior to that. Now, why on earth would I bring this up? What does this have to do with anything? Well, if we find a way to finish and win those two games against UCF and Arkansas State, we end up going 8-3. and We end up being the sole champion of the Sunbelt Conference. And we end up playing in the New Orleans Bowl in our own stadium. Coulda, woulda, shoulda, as Coach Jim Mora would say. It just wasn't meant to be. And besides those two heartbreakers in 2005, how many of these opportunities have we experienced in our history? For example, Magnese in 1976, Oklahoma State in 1986, Alabama in 1989, Auburn in 1992, and most recently, Florida in 2012. These games all represent the heartache and disappointment of getting to the front door of the club, but being able, but not being able to actually go in. Today, on the other hand, we have experienced this new culture of the complete opposite. No matter the circumstance of the game, no matter the mistakes, and no matter how ugly it may look, fate and destiny have recently seemed to befriend us from the ULM missed field goals in 2018 and 2019 to Nate Snyder's game-winning 53-yard field goal against Georgia Southern and Elijah Mitchell's overtime touchdown against Georgia State in 2020. While we were at it, let's not forget this year's close wins against Nichols, Georgia Southern, South Alabama, Arkansas State, and, of course, last Thursday's comeback win against Georgia State. 
Maybe it's indeed true that good things happen to those who wait or just reward those who experience so much heartbreak and disappointment. It's safe to say that maybe fate and destiny have both been a little more generous of returning the favor to Cajun Nation by rewarding it with being on the winning in for a change. Or maybe it's the entire paradigm shift of an entire football program whose ambition, fight, grit, and refuse to lose attitude has given us so much to be proud of as a fan base. The attitude of anywhere, anytime. The culture of coming up short has turned into a culture of just finding a way. Finding a way to be victorious and maintaining that standard. Growing on it and letting it ingrain in our minds. Cajun Nation, regardless of how we analyze the results, regardless of how we sometimes point out the deficiencies, regardless of how much our blood pressure may go up when trailing 10-0 in the third quarter, it just seems that this team finds a way. It's really hard to explain, but somehow the job just gets done. I don't know. Maybe it's the anxiety of the past, of the Cajun disaster syndrome picking at me, just waiting to steal away victory right in front of us once again. But, but again, this team somehow just finds a way. Now, in spite of that, it does not mean that we three here at Rage Review will stop giving our own analysis. After all, we are still diehard fans that treat this like a science. But man, I tell you what, we have come up short many times. But as I reflect out loud to you, I have to say, it is nice to finally see our side toast to the smell of victory for a change. Let's hope for another toast this Saturday, Cajun Nation. Let's keep this momentum alive. And let's hope that our team, once again, just finds a way. Go Cajuns. Man, I tell you what. Okay. It's good so shit, Jerry. What what we're gonna what we're gonna start doing is we're gonna start using Microsoft Word speech to text. We're just gonna make a book of Jerry A. Bear's Man I Tell You What. What we, what we really need to do uh, is get monologues to now because the, yeah. the last three have just been, you know, like SNL opening monologues. We need some Celine, <laughs> we need some Celine Dion in the background while right. you're doing your thing. Yeah. Oh, no. oh, God, I wish I would have been recording that. Hey, look, look, I got it. I, again, I grew up watching Jim Henderson, so he used to do his Monday commentary on WWL. Uh, TV, so of course I, I really enjoyed that. So I'm like, well, let's give my inner commentary to to to, uh, to the fans, right? Um, because there's a lot of memories I have. There's a lot of great, you know, we all have our memories, but you can't help but reflect on on the success that we have right now. So of course I just put it into words, and I'm not really a writer. I'm just it's really just emotions coming out, you know, no, on a piece of paper. Matter. It's like we talked about on the phone. You're, you're bridging the gap from the old to the new and to the future. So it's good. Hey, it's good just, to know do, where you come start, from. You got to just start choking up every now and then, and you'll, you'll sell it even more. <laughs> Especially well, with thanks, Celine guys, Dion. I appreciate it. Celine Dion's gonna really help you out. I, I appreciate that, it, guys. Thank you. I, I, I didn't think you'd hit that high note. That was that was impressive. Thank you. That was, that was impressive. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for this edition of Rage and Review. Saturday, 2.30? 2.30 kickoff in Troy, Alabama, between the Cajuns and the Trojans. Um, Cajuns look to become 9-1 and one, get one step closer to hosting their first ever Sun Belt Conference Championship game. 
men's basketball goes to Southern Miss Friday, and then next week they come home to host Xavier, Louisiana. A lot of fun to be had both on the hardwood and on the gridiron. Raging Review will bring it all to you. For Jerry and Josh, Matt Miguez here. And as always, 